Right. Good morning again. We're going to be in the book of Philemon. And so to begin, we're going to read the entire book. So buckle up. It's one chapter. So follow along with me if you would. Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Also to Apophia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this to you in my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention, uh, excuse me, I'll pay you back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you my greetings. And so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and with your spirits. The book of Philemon. So today we're going to be talking about the great redeemer. Uh, we, ta- we call Jesus a lot of things, okay? We call him a savior. We call him the son of God. We call him the good shepherd, right? We call him the great physician. Today I want to put forth name the great mediator. And so the question is, this is going to be our working definition today, what is a mediator? A neutral person who intercedes on behalf of two conflicting parties. Okay, that's what we're going to agree on today as the definition of a mediator. And in my line of work in youth ministry, I've had to be a mediator many times. Sometimes more serious, which I won't, you know, share details in, but sometimes less serious. One of my least favorite things ever was when I was the director of a camp in Mississippi. Um, I was in charge of rooming assignments. You talk about conflicting parties. That is a place for conflicting parties to live. Okay? People are very upset with you when you say you're not in a cabin with the person you want to be in a cabin with. And actually, the funny part is it's usually not the kids. It's the parents who are yelling at me. I'm like, sorry, the list is already done. And if we move him, then we're going to have to move him. And then he's going to be mad and his mom's going to be mad at me. And so I kind of became the mediator at the end of the line. They've had their head checked. They've had all their money and all the things done. And then here's me sitting at this last table, mediating between the camp and very angry parents. My least favorite part of camp. 
But that was always over and, we, and things got resolved. But, but like I said, I've been a mediator a lot of times. And today I want to see Jesus in the light of mediator. And maybe you've had to be a mediator to, between people in your own life. But to me, the more neutral, the better, right? If you have no, you know, money in the game on either side, it's easy to be neutral. And the more neutral the mediator, the better the mediator. And I want to have this in mind as we read the book of Philemon. So as we just read, the entire book centers around a conflict between Onesimus and Philemon. Okay, that's what we kind of taken away here. Onesimus was Philemon's slave. And before we go any further, I want to make clear that we're not talking about slavery in the context of the United States. The, the Maybe the imagery of slavery we might have today. The awful things that were done within our country, right? This is a different type of slavery. It's not the same, okay? So I don't want you to have that same imagery and bring it into Philemon because it's just different, okay? But Onesimus was Philemon's slave. There is definitely a contractual agreement between the and Philemon has certain rights over Onesimus, but it is not the same as what we might call it as today in our own uh, country, in our own context. Um, but they have some serious conflict, okay? Onesimus and Philemon. And there's several ideas about what's taking place here, but if we just read Philemon as we just did as a congregation, okay, this is what we can take away. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both to you and to me. Onesimus maybe wasn't a great worker, okay? You know, maybe your Bible says this, mine does. His name literally means useful, which is kind of ironic. But Onesimus was unuseful to Philemon. And uh, fr from that, I kind of take away maybe he wasn't doing his job. Maybe he wasn't good at what he was assigned to do. Okay, so that's the first thing we can take away. The second thing from Philemon 1.18, if he has done anything wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. What I read into this is that as, or excuse me, as Onesimus was leaving Philemon, there was some more than just regular conflict. I think maybe Onesimus owed Philemon something. Whether he stole from Philemon, whether he didn't complete a task, whatever it was, the conflict was so much so that he left and he owes Philemon something. That's just what I'm reading into it. Are, we with, are you with me here? Nod your head if you're with me, okay? I appreciate that. So Onesimus gets in contact with Paul, and Paul has this great idea. It's a fantastic idea. He's writing to Philemon. He's saying, you're such a good brother. You, f you refresh the hearts of God's holy people. You're so loving. We have this great relationship. But I'm going to ask you something crazy right now. I'm going to ask you for some radical reconciliation. Do you hear that? Let's read this together. Uh, Perhaps, okay, okay, it is uh, Philemon 15 and 16. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. This is important right here. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So this is why I call it radical reconciliation, okay? Because Paul's not writing to Philemon saying, hey, man, could you just give him his job back? He's saying, no, I want you to invite him to your table and eat with him as if it's your brother. And he's going to be greater than a slave. He is going to be your family. When you call up your family to play bunco like we did yesterday at Diane's house, you got to invite Onesimus too because he's your family, 
That's radical reconciliation right there. It's a tall order, but Paul is doing something very, very important here for both Onesimus and for Philemon, okay? Typically, Paul preaches something to the churches. You'll see this as he writes to Romans, as he writes to the Thessalonians, pretty much everything that he writes. Paul always talks about the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus, and what Jesus did on the cross and what he does for everybody. That's all Paul's argument. He preaches a gospel based on Christ and the cross. But we just read Philemon together, right? And he doesn't mention the cross. What Paul is doing for Philemon and Onesimus is he's saying, I am going to be your example in the midst of this conflict of what Jesus has done for everybody. Radical reconciliation. He is going to intercede on behalf of Onesimus for Philemon and vice versa. The sacrifice that Paul is putting himself into is to represent the sacrifice that Christ did for everybody. He is using his life as a living example of what Christ does for humanity. He embodies what Christ does. In Philemon, Onesimus is us, is humanity, separated from the righteous judge who is Philemon. And Paul stands in the middle saying, hey, whatever's going on, Philemon, whatever righteous anger you have towards Onesimus, give it to me. Whatever he owes you, put it on my tab and I'll take care of it. We see that through the act of Jesus dying on the cross and Paul is communicating to these guys, I'm just like Jesus right now. And this is the example you need to be leading in your lives as well. Paul is the great mediator between these two people. Because if we look at this, Philemon has every right to be mad at Onesimus, right? He was a bad slave. He, 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 he left. He owes him something. He has every right to be mad, to have some righteous anger towards Onesimus. But Paul says, hey, guess what? That is something you're going to have to put aside and you're going to have to put on me. And you might be thinking, if you're Philemon, Paul, you ask too much of me. He owes me something. He owes me. But guess what? That's kind of the point, right? If we get to the cross and we get to what Jesus did, and you say, wait, that's, that's too much. That's kind of the point, right? And to me, it's really important to read the whole book of Philemon together in context of Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be on Luke 15 just to have it in front of you. You're very familiar with this context. I know you are, and I talk about it all the time up here. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, but we're going to talk about the prodigal son here for just a second. Okay, Luke 15, if I can get there. So I, like I said, we just read Philemon together, and we're going to look at it in the context of Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. And right, if we look at Luke 15, we have the story of the son. He goes to his father, says, hey, I want my inheritance now. Father says, great. Son goes and spends it. He's eaten with the pigs, and he is separated from the father, right? And then we have this great imagery here when the son says, you know what? I can go back to my father as a hired hand, and he'll treat me well. And we have this beautiful scene here in verse 20 of Luke 15. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
And the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. And as much, I, I talk about this imagery all the time. The father a long way off, this, this, the father meeting the son right where he is. And I would love to stay there. You know, like the Hallmark moment, the Hallmark movie, right? It's, it's holiday time. We can talk about Hallmark movies. Uh, the Hallmark movie where the son and the father embrace and there's just this reconciliation that takes place. That's awesome. I want to stay there. But there's another prodigal story that we just read about in Philemon. Because Onesimus is also a prodigal, right? He's also in search. He's also looking for something. But the prodigal Onesimus shows us something a little bit harder to take on, at least for me. Maybe not for you. It is for me. Because like I said, I want to live in Luke 15. I don't necessarily want to live this prodigal story of Onesimus because it's a little bit harder to handle Because what I think Onesimus teaches me is that sin is kind of a big deal. And I say that kind of like, you know, kind of, it's a big deal. Because sin separated Onesimus from being with Philemon. His uselessness, whatever it was, his debt that he owed Philemon, there was a separation there that could not be overcome if it were not for Paul. That sin, whatever it might be, that's what we're calling it, separated him from being right with Philemon. Without Paul, Onesimus is hopeless. He's walking around. I don't even know what Onesimus has been up to, up to the point where he meets Paul. But he's walking through life without hope. And that's a bad place to be, right? Without Christ, we are Onesimus walking around without Paul. We are Onesimus before that initial contact with Paul where he writes to Philemon and there can be this radical reconciliation. Without Christ, we're hopeless. Walking around a prodigal without a destination. We desperately need a great mediator. Both the prodigal stories tell us about God and Philemon shows us about Christ, the great mediator. He's not neutral, right? We talked about mediators being neutral. Christ is not a neutral mediator. He is our benefactor. He is our advocate. He is not just casually going through, like with my cabin assignments, right? Like, you know, be quiet, lady. Like, your son's going to be okay, right? He is our advocate on our behalf, not neutral whatsoever. And so, like I always want to get to whenever I get up and talk in front of you all, there's got to be a so what, great, we get a prodigal story about Onesimus and his speed, radical reconciliation with Philemon, but so what? What does this mean for us? I think the first thing, and this is why it's hard for me, is we need to wake up to the sin in our lives. I would much prefer to preach on Luke 15, right? I would much prefer to have that imagery of in the pig slop, running to God, and God's ready to give me a big hug. And I believe that to be truth. Don't get me wrong. I love Luke 15. I always will. But we can't have that embrace without recognizing that we desperately need a mediator to take care of the sin in our lives. We cannot overcome the sin in our lives by ourselves. 
We cannot do anything on our own accord. If you, if you got something going on in your life and you say, well, if I just manage it, if I just take these little steps to make sure not, I don't do those things anymore, are you taking care of the, of the problem? No. You're taking care of the symptoms of the problem. You have to treat sin as seriously as Paul treats the sin between Onesimus and Philemon. Whatever is going on, Jesus can take care of it, but you have to give it over to Jesus. You have to be able to say, I am struggling in this way, and I'm no longer going to manage it by doing steps or by having little groups that I tell my woes to. But Christ, this is separating me from God, and I desperately need you as the great mediator to take this sin and help me through it. We can't do it by ourselves. And we have to wake up that sin is radically destroying our world and destroying ourselves. And like I said, I like to live in Luke 15 where where God is always full of grace, but God's also a righteous judge. And without a great mediator, we're dead in our sin. Right, if we look at, if we, I didn't think about this before, but if we're in Ephesians, I just got to go to Ephesians chapter 2 really quick. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Right? That's what he says. Verse 7. Nor in the coming ages he might show you the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We can't take the sin out of our own lives. Christ has to be there as the great mediator to do it for us. Please, please wake up and recognize the complexity of our sin and just what it does. Because the first thing is we need to wake up to our sin, to the sin in our lives. The second thing is we need to see Christ as the great mediator. See sin as something that cannot be overcome without Christ. He is our benefactor. He is what makes the difference. Quick story. So the first time I took a group of uh, teenagers to Panama, I was 23 years old. Okay, I, I would maybe not have sent, you know, my teenagers to 23-year-old me. Okay, anyway, um, um, we got to Panama, and the missionary was already there. She was meeting us at the airport, and I didn't know where she was going to be, and I didn't have a way to contact her. And so we get off the plane, and we walk up, and like literally thank God she was standing there waiting to receive us. And she is literally, to me, kind of embodying this idea of a great mediator. We're in a country where we barely speak any of the language. We don't know anything about what's going on around us. We don't know the place where we're going to. We have zero relationships with the people. But she kind of stepped in as this, I don't want to call her a tour guide, but she was like a mediator for us. She literally said, hey, Group of people in Panama, these people are not going to hurt you. I'm with you, right? Hey, group of people in Panama, let's do these things together. Let, let, let's share Christ together. She was kind of a visualization to me as, okay, this is kind of what Christ does for me, right? He connects me to God in this place where it's like, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what I'm doing. There's a whole lot of things I'm probably going to do, do wrong along the way, but I got someone taking care of me. And I, I fully trusted her. 
And to this day, I still have, I haven't been able to go to Panama in two years because of, of COVID, but I still have relationships with people in Panama. We talk monthly, sometimes weekly, and it's like because of her. And I see the same thing, this idea of Christ being our great mediator. He's the one who's getting us to God. He's the one who's reconciling us in a way to where we can be and live and have a relationship with God. And that's awesome. So I pray this week, not just this week, but the rest of your lives, we can wake up to the reality of sin. And to wake up to the fact that, you know, sin really does separate us from God. And thank God that we have Christ, the great mediator, who comes in and says, whatever he owes, whatever she owes, put it on my tab. Because I will take care of that because I love them. Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, this example that we, we find in Philemon. I thank you for showing us exactly what it means that Paul gives us this example of sacrifice, God. And there's so many ways we could take this. I just... I just love this example here that we're given. God, help us to embody this. Help us to see the sin in our lives. Help us not just to manage the sin in our lives, but to take it as a serious thing, as almost as it's an illness that we have to treat, and the only remedy is Christ. God, help us to wake up to that and help us to recognize you as the great mediator. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. If you have any needs, if you have any sins in your life, if you have anything going on that you want to share with the church, this is the time to do it. You can come forward. You can find someone that you want to talk to. Whatever it might be, this is the time as we come and as we stand and sing.